0: Welcome to the FinCIA podcast. Today, I've got Max Pemberton with me, uh, who is going to be leading a cybersecurity workshop, uh, a day-long session for FinCIA members and non-members alike, which I'm really looking forward to um, being a part of. Hopefully, to uh, pick up some uh, insights myself. Um, clearly, it's one of the biggest threats with uh, financial services facing. Um, Max um, is um, kind enough to spend a little bit of time with us today to give us a few sneak insights on the day and what we're facing in Australia at the moment. Um, so what I will do is just uh, hand over to Max today um, to give a, a bit of an introduction. Max, thank you very much for joining us. Um, uh, if you could uh, give us a little bit of your background, then uh, we'll get into the
1: session. Yeah, thanks, Lewis, and um, thank you for giving us the opportunity to speak at the uh, the Fincia uh, event and during this podcast. Um, to give you a bit of background, I'm Max Pemberton. Um, I'm a director and sort of founding uh, member of PSG. Um, prior to sort of commencing this role at PSG, I served in the sort of military for 20 years, 15 years of which was spent within the Special Forces as a sort of team leader. During that time, I got exposed to a lot of the sort of cyber capabilities um, and an understanding then of the sort of cyber risk we faced um, and nations sort of face, which sort of put me in good stead to be able to step out of the military and look at uh, risk more generally across, um, across a lot of our clients and particularly within that sort of cyberspace. So PSG, to give you a bit of background on that, is a uh, intelligence services firm that exists to combat critical social problems. And a large por- portion of our work is centered around cyber security and providing organizations with the tools and the skill sets to be able to protect their interests um, within that sort of cyber domain. Um, we have a large focus on the Australian financial sector um who incidentally are the eighth most targeted industry across the world and australia in, in in general um so really we exist to really try and help organizations identify their risks and be able to sort of treat and mitigate those those cyber risks um
0: thanks max appreciate that um you know, I'm I'm fairly aware, as I'm sure most of the people are listening now and the members, uh, you know, in financial services, that, of the, you know, the, the, the threat that's there. It seems to be growing. Um, you know, are there any sort of um, numbers, facts and figures that you can um, probably alarm us with um, about, you know, where, where we're at in, in
1: 2023? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, and in short, as I said before, it's a critical social issue. And really, a lot of that is getting driven by the sheer scale of this. Um, Studies have sort of predicted that by 2025, it's going to cost the world economy around $10.5 trillion um, to put it into context. So you've now got an industry that's now more profitable than illicit drugs, um, which is driving a lot of sort of people uh, and a lot of threat actors to really put a lot of time, effort, and energy into, into these attacks, which obviously increases the likelihood Uh, of these attacks occurring. Now add in a couple more factors and we've got a really big problem. So the cybersecurity market uh, in general is really tight. There's not enough people to go around for the demand to help sort of combat this problem. Um, And that's in the public and the private sector. You've got a lot of organizations and governments that are completely overwhelmed by the sheer size of, of this problem and the complexity of this problem. So to put it into context, over the last um, financial year, the ACSC or the Australian Cyber Security Centre reported around sort of seventy-six thousand cyber events, um, which is a thirteen percent increase from the previous financial year. So to put that into context, that's an attack getting reported in Australia alone um, every sort of seven minutes, um, which obviously sort of gives you an understanding of, of how much these threats are sort of being pervasive and and looking at um, who who can they attack and and where. It's also made worse by our increased reliance on technology. So on average, everybody has around 2.4 devices, and that's expected to increase to about 3.6 devices, which puts the internet connected devices around 30 billion devices by 2030. Now, that's a 300% increase on the amount of devices seen in 2020, and you can expect that the threat is going to go up proportionally um, with it. So we're kind of expecting this threat to sort of grow in complexity and severity before it gets better. Um, And to give you a little bit of context around there, the IoT boom, is, and it's what we're sort of seeing that larger increase in devices Um, is really associated with everybody's requirements to have, say, their fridge connected online, uh, the thermometers connected online. This is what's presenting a significant risk um, across businesses in general and across private uh, and public sector. Um, So to put that one into context, uh, as an example, the Crown Casino in 2017, their high rollers table got hacked uh, through a connected fish tank. Um, essentially, that was online. The threats found it, scanning the internet, hacked into the network, and were able to move laterally. And that sort of, in my mind, starts to give you an understanding of how bad this problem is and where it's sort of where it's going in the future. Um, and more on the sort of Australian side, the actual cost to to Australia, according to the UNSW, is around sort of forty two billion dollars per year, um, and that's only to, to the Australian economy. When you look worldwide, average cost of a data breach is around 4.35 million US dollars, um, and that obviously takes into account the big bigger players. So, average cost um, of a data breach in Australia is around 2.9 2.92 million dollars, according to sort of the IBM's cost of a uh, security breach um, report that comes out on a yearly basis. They're not only sort of direct costs they can be sort of indirect costs as well so the cost of um, letting your customers know the cost of loss of business cleaning up that um that incident all attributes to to that cost uh, and we've seen a number of those attacks uh lately across australia and across the world which sort of really highlights that um that cost and that pervasive nature of, of cyber attacks currently
0: um just and those figures that you mentioned do do we you know are they are they underreported um do we think that it's um it's an even bigger problem um can we get a true handle from from what you're saying it's you know um as I think the words all all pervasive it's uh, you know frighteningly so and and, and just to, to add on to that you know who who are
1: who who are the the criminals in this? Uh, touch on that. Yeah, so I think it is probably uh underreported. I mean, realistically, there's gonna be a lot of the low level attacks that don't get reported. Um, I know we've been involved in in a lot of incident response and asset recovery work where our clients haven't let it known to to um to to the government or publicly known. Uh and I think that's where a lot of the sort of smaller scale breaches sit. So Ultimately, yes, it probably is under-reported figure. Um, I think that the reporting mechanisms and the framework are significantly improving. So we've got a lot of sort of push from the public and from government to really make sure that we are getting accurate numbers. Um, but I don't think that the um, I don't think we've got there yet for for accurate numbers. Um, in terms of the threat, that's really wide and varied. PSg, we sort of think about the threat in five different tiers. We've sort of got um, opportunistic criminals at sort of tier one all the way through to sophisticated state actors at sort of tier five and they bring very different sort of capabilities and very different attack methodologies towards this problem. So an opportunistic criminal is somebody that might be doing it for um, for giggles or notoriety. they're sort of they're trying to find something. To prove that they've got the hacking skills to get into something um, normally it can be sort of financially motivated but most of the time it's sort of uh it's it's really hubris that, that drives those when we start to step up then into criminals and organized uh criminals it's very largely financially motivated um, attacks uh, and then when we start to go all the way through to nation states um it's really the new battleground so we've got a uh, very big strategic focus at the nation-state level to really start to sort of do advanced forced operations through cyber and using cyber as a proxy. Some nation-states are using this to fund, uh, to fund some of their endeavours um, using the sort of cyber crime. Um, and we've got uh, large, the crossover between nation-states and sophisticated criminal actors are getting very, very blurred. Um, to put that into context, we've got groups like sort of the Reval group or the Conti group, um, which are running full businesses to the tune of sort of 300 staff with full IT teams, full HR teams, management teams, you know, bonuses uh, bonuses on on their productivity um, rates and they're running it like a business. It, it is, for them, that profitable. And we start to see a really big blur between what is a sophisticated actor down through to a, a normal criminal actor um with the tools and techniques. So to put that into context, um nation states spend millions of dollars and an unlimited sort of resources in developing some of these attacks which are called sort of zero-day attacks. Nobody knows about them. They're normally saved for sort of special events. Um, but the those attacks when they go public then become the purvey of everybody so we've we've seen sort of the us um the us nsa's tools get leaked out and then start getting used more broadly across sort of sophisticated criminal actors to to further their criminal exploits Um, so where it was a hard well it, it took a lot of um resources and knowledge to be able to pull off a really sophisticated criminal cyber attack that's no longer really the case it's very easy now for anybody to jump onto the dark web and start to hire cyber criminals in such a way that it lowers the barrier of entry and we're starting to then see a lot more of that sort of um, that criminal uh, um, that criminal aspect to it so we're seeing a lot of um, industrial espionage associated with it um, hacking for hire,
0: etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I, I, I mean, um, that's uh, talking of hiring and the dark web. But I mean, I, I and, and you mentioned the Conti Group and, and being run like a business. i have seen somewhere, you know, they have recruitment ads and th- things like that that are going on, which is um, is is worrying. It's um, you know, they've got their own marketing campaign. I mean, just one more one other thing. Then following that that on. Um, you would mentioned um, better reporting and, um, you know, uh, the ability to report more um, is it, going to make that, 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 that thing better. Has that in Australia got anything to do with some of the high profile um, uh, attacks we've had? That You know, there's, there is a, not just a need, but there is also a public demand to make sure more is
1: done. Yeah, definitely. I think that there is obviously a large um, public demand and and swell towards making sure that companies and governments protect individuals' data in a commensurate way. I think that was largely driven sort of initially by GDPR and then more more broadly taken up by um, some of the American um, states um, and pushing some of the... um, some of the sort of requirements there to report and some of the um the standards that people have to follow i think we're sort of behind the eight ball a little bit in that regards but definitely the sort of latest breaches with uh medibank optus uh and the like have really pushed the australian government to to bring up a lot more of the sort of fines and the um the ramifications for poor cybersecurity. so there's a whole bunch of of different uh, rules and regulations sort of being tabled now, which will significantly increase the um, organization's requirements to, to report cyber attacks. And ultimately, that's really the only way that we can actually gain traction in, in this war against the cyber crimes. So visibility is critical on assets and it's critical on networks to really help um, the government attribute these, these threat actors so if you don't report a, a cyber crime, nobody really knows what what happened, and somebody can't tie the dots between what mm-hmm. a cyber criminal is doing in one company to another one. Um, so that reporting mechanism is really critical, and the Australian government is is forward leaning in that. In terms of they they've got some very good programs. Sort of the Australian Cybersecurity Program has got the Combined Threat Intelligence Sharing Program, which is really looking at empowering um, both the civil and the, the and the government sectors in that threat intelligence sharing which ultimately should result in more prosecution more ramifications factor for, uh, for actions for for these cyber criminals
0: talking of the actions then um maybe if we could round off with a little bit of um you know uh, we've got this uh, workshop day-long thing coming up and um and also maybe some of the things that we can look at. um, You know, um, I won't give away too much, but is there anything, you know, you can talk to us about um, who you've had, you know, what kind of people um, can benefit from coming along to these kind of workshops that you run? Yeah,
1: so during the program, we're really discussing um, six sort of core modules. We're looking at the threat. What are they doing now? What are they likely to do next? What does it actually mean in a corporate context? And how can we start to sort of plan for um uh, the unfortunate event that it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when that we get cyber attacked um then how do we review our sort of security systems and our exposure and make sure that the vulnerabilities within the system and the security controls that we're in the system are commensurate with that threat um actions and then How can we basically make a proactive cybersecurity uh, strategy and um, what sort of considerations do we need to think about from an organisational point of view? We tie all of that together in a risk-based approach. So really speaking the universal language that everybody in business understands, um, we see, and one of the things that we see with our clients is critically important, is being able to pull in sources from all different sort of technical areas Um, and put them into the, provide the decision makers with an ability to understand them. So the 100-page pen testing report that speaks double Dutch to most people, um, if you turn it into a a cyber risk-based approach, you can start to give the executive executive teams and the C-suite the understanding of why they should act and what they should do. So being able to pull in everything from what is the threat doing, what are our controls doing, what are our exposures doing, into a risk-based approach can help us uh, and organizations to really start to then prioritize their sort of cybersecurity budget resources. And then we start to look at the national ecosystem. So what can governments do to help? What can you, uh, what can you request of, of governments to really try and help support your, your cybersecurity resilience journey? Um, and then we start to go into more of the incident response uh, stuff. So. Uh, as i said before unfortunately it's not a matter of if you get breached it's when how do we minimize that so we can automatically um kick the threat act- actors out of the network before they do damage so a lot of these critical breaches that we've seen um let's say uh optus the threat actors were in the network for a for a reasonable amount of time how do we put into place those incident response um, frameworks and the cyber security frameworks to be able to automatically and programmatically kick, kick them out of out, out of the network, but then let's automatically review our sort of um, what we're going to do as an organization. How do we test that and validate that our controls and our incident response matches uh the the, the decision making process of that organization is fit for purpose? Um realistically, the people that get benefit out of this are gonna going be those sort of um, operational to strategic leaders that have got a requirement to a requirement and or focus on the cyber security of their organization um, and it's really to try and provide them with the tools and techniques of how to think about cyber and the, the risk cyber uh, um, represents to their business and how to think about it in such a way that we can put in a, a realistic um, and solutions that that are sort of um, that are commensurate with the business objectives, and also um, commensurate with the resources that, that the organisations have got.
0: Okay, um, Max, um, I could go on and talk about many things um, all day long, but I think you know um, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the day itself. If I can get in, um, and um, I, the only thing I didn't like uh, from from the uh, what we've spoken about is. Um, Uh, that understanding that that it's not if it's a when it does show that we you know the situation we're in around the world at the moment with uh, this threat of cyber some of those things that you've pointed out um, I'm sure it'll be of immense value to anybody who does come along on the day so um, I'm looking forward to it Uh, and and thanks again uh, for taking part in this podcast where I hope we've given a few
1: insights uh, that could be useful in themselves Max. Yeah, no worries. And I, I suppose a couple of closing things, just to um, yeah. to, to make everybody sleep worse at night tonight. Um, <laughs> when you when you look at the um, the ransomware, for instance, that is one of the most pervasive attacks at the moment. Uh, IBM report puts that to is expected to attack a business every eleven seconds, and equates to every eleven percent of all, all attacks. Now, realistically, a lot of that comes down to or a lot of the issues that we've seen across some of the bigger breaches, um, like, say, for instance, LastPass and Kaseya come out of the supply chain attacks. So that's another critical component that we will talk about um, during the day of, of how to look at your supply chain, how to look not only internally, but also externally to, to manage that, that, that threat and that risk.
0: Max, uh, once again, thank you very much. Um, And uh, to all those who've been listening, um, I hope you're enjoying it. And um, uh, we look forward to more podcasts coming this year.
1: Thanks a lot, Lewis.